He could have someone out there, the man said, pulling back the front window curtains a tentative inch. Watching the house right now. He was careful not to step directly in front of the glass as he peeked outside. It was raining. Street lights reflected in the puddles. He ran his fingers nervously through his thick, dark hair. His handsome features were undercut by the fear in his eyes. He wasn't used to being afraid. He was unaccustomed to the role of prey. He'll have found someone else to do his dirty work, he said. Jesus, when are they going to get here? He looked at his watch. They're ten minutes late. What the hell's keeping them? He'd been directing his comments to his wife, a reedy, auburn-haired twig of a woman who looked ready to break into several pieces. She'd made several trips back and forth to the kitchen trying to keep busy. Do you think they'll want coffee? She asked. They're not going to want any goddamn coffee, he snapped. She took a seat on the flowered couch, crossed her right leg over her left, then her left over her right. Some movement on the stairs caught her eye, and she spotted the nine-year-old boy sitting on one of the upper steps watching from between the railings, a tear running down his cheek. Go upstairs, she told the boy. I want to say good. Go to your room and close the door, she said, flinging her arm, pointing up. As she brought her arm back, she wiped a tear from her cheek. The boy sniffed and retreated from view, waited until his mother was no longer looking his way, then resumed his position. From where he sat, he could see the front door, the three suitcases sitting there, his father still watching the street. His mother was up again, walking around the couch, going into the kitchen. He could hear the rattling of cups, silverware. When she reappeared, her husband was still standing near the window. Get away from there, she said. He let the curtain fall and stepped away. It's not too late, Rose, he said. The two of you can still come. They've prepared the documents in case you change your mind. She stood behind the couch, her hands resting atop the cushions as though using it as a barrier. Her jaw hardened and her eyes moistened. If you're desperate for company, why don't you take your father, she said. Maybe he'd like to start all over again with you. He's all alone. I can live without ever seeing him again. It's been years. But the three of us, we belong together. Once I walk out that door, once they put me in the car, that's it. It's not safe staying behind. If he can't get to me, he'll come after you. And what would be the point of that, she asked. To get back at you? You've already washed your hands of us. And we certainly won't be able to tell him anything. You could be in Timbuktu for all we know. They can pull out all my toenails if they want, but I won't be able to tell them a thing. We'll take our chances. Your new friends, they'll keep an eye on us. He took a step toward her, his face pleading. I know I fucked up that it's my fault, but we could start over you, me, our son. He has his friends. He'll make new friends, the man said. They're not moving me to Mars. No, more likely butthole Nebraska running a bowling alley or picking up trash. It's better than being dead. She bit her lip. Is it? 
and I don't have to take some menial, mindless job. I'll find something challenging, meaningful. She rolled her eyes as he took another look at his watch. Christ, where the hell are they? What if... The lights went out. Oh, shit, the man said. Shit, shit, shit. He rushed to the window again, peeked out. Looks like the whole street. With the street lights out of commission, the living room was plunged into darkness. What's happening? The boy sitting on the stairs asked. Go to your room, his mother shouted, unable to hide the fear in her voice. Get under the bed. It's him, her husband whispered. Jesus Christ, it's him. He's killed the power. He's here. He scurried through the unlit room, rounding the corner to the front door, banging his hip on the wainscoting. He checked that the door was locked, slipped the dangling chain into place, shouting to his wife, the back door! She ran blindly from the living room into the kitchen. Seconds later, she called out, it's locked! And then, as suddenly as they'd gone off, the lights came back on. The man froze, listening. All he could hear was the sound of the rain outside. His wife stepped silently back into the living room. She whispered, It's the storm. It's just the storm. He looked through the diamond-shaped window in the door, saw that the street lights were back on too. Maybe, he said uncertainly. He turned, looked at his wife, his eyes pleading, but no words came. I'm sorry, she said, shaking her head slowly. I've nothing left to give. She looked toward the stairs, saw the boy sitting there. Outside, sounds. Car doors opening and closing. The man pulled back the curtain. Finally. The woman went to the window to see for herself. A long black sedan sat at the curb, lights on, windshield wipers flapping back and forth. A woman opened the front passenger door and got out, glanced up for half a second at the light rain coming down. The driver stayed behind the wheel. A second identical car pulled up behind the first. Two men in black suits got out, took up watchful positions. If they were aware of the rain, they didn't show it. Back up. The woman who'd emerged from the first car walked toward the front door. She was clearly the agent in charge. The man turned back the deadbolt, undid the chain, and opened the door before she had a chance to ring the bell, swinging it wide, eyeing her accusingly. You're late, he said. The power just went out. It could have been him. The woman stepped past him and into the front hall, glanced down at the three suitcases sitting there. Is this everything? she asked. You said that was all I could take, he said. Why are you late? The woman, stone-faced, ignored the question. Sir, you need to get in the car quickly. His face cracked. Why? What's going on? The woman hesitated, then said, Our pickup plans may be compromised. Jesus Christ, the man said. Without thinking, he put his hand to the back of his neck as though warding off an invisible dart. It may be nothing, but we've taken precautions. We have cars at each end of the street blocking it off. That said, you need to get moving. The agent looked at the wife. 
ma'am, any change of heart? She did a slow head shake. The agent spotted the boy at the top of the stairs, then said to his mother, we'll have someone watching the house for the foreseeable future. They know there's nothing to be gained by intimidating or threatening you. They think things can't get worse for them, but they can. The woman said nothing. It's time, the agent said, standing clear of the open door. The man turned to pick up his bags and saw that his son, dressed in pale blue pajamas, had reached the bottom of the stairs and was standing there mournfully. The boy's cheeks were wet with tears and his arms hung limply at his sides. Hey, the father said, ignoring the bags and kneeling down in front of the boy. Sir, the agent said, we need to move. Just a minute, he said over his shoulder, then turned back to the boy and gripped him by the shoulders. So, you're going to be okay, you know, the boy sniffed. I need you to be strong for your mom. You're the new man of the house. You realize that, right? He forced a smile. I know you can do it because you're tough. The boy said something, his voice no more than a whisper. What's that? I want to come with you, the boy said. You can't, sport. Your mom doesn't want to come and... If that's the way it has to be, you're better off with her. When will you come back? The boy asked. The man felt something swell in his throat. Just know that I'll be thinking about you. All the time. Every minute of every day. That's a promise. He smiled ruefully, brought his voice down to a whisper. Maybe I'll check in on you from time to time. The boy sniffed, looked his father in the eye, and asked, Why can't you just tell them you're sorry? He smiled. I wish it was that simple. Still on one knee, he said, Let me give you a little going-away gift. Something to remember me by. He reached around into his back pocket and pulled out his wallet, a simple billfold made of brown leather. He opened it up briefly, exposing a couple of bills, a ten and a five. There's a few bucks in there, he said. Enough for some comics or ice cream or something. He took his son's hand and placed the wallet in it. The boy studied it like it was some strange, unidentifiable artifact. What about your driver's license? The boy asked. They'll get me a new one of those. New social security card, too. Probably even a library card. Along with my new name, whatever it turns out to be. You won't be dad anymore? The man looked as though he might crumble he took a moment. I'll always be dad, he said. He folded the child's fingers around the wallet. You hold on tight to it just in case. You never know. Maybe one day I'll come back for it. Sir, the agent was getting antsy. Gotta run, the man said. 
pulling the boy into his arms and giving him a squeeze. I love you, sport. He held the boy in his arms for a good ten seconds before standing. He tousled the boy's hair, gave him a thumbs up, and turned to face the agent. His voice breaking, he said, Let's do this. His wife remained by the window and made no move to give him a farewell embrace. She mouthed, goodbye. Okay then, he said, grabbing one bag with each hand, which left one on the floor. He looked at the agent as though expecting a hand. When she didn't move, he managed to tuck the third under his arm. So anyway, he said to no one in particular and stepped out into the rain. The agent followed and the wife closed the door. She looked at her son. Off you go. I'll come up and see you in a minute. She went into the kitchen where she could be heard opening and closing the fridge, followed by the sound of ice cubes being dropped into a glass. Instead of heading for the stairs, he went to the front door, quietly opened it, and ran out into the rain. He caught up to his father just as he was about to get into the back seat of the lead car. Wait, he cried. He threw his arms around his father. The man knelt and went to wipe tears from the boy's cheeks, but they were indistinguishable from the raindrops. Son, I have to, you have to tell me, the boy said. You have to tell me why you can't tell them you're sorry. Sorry isn't good enough sometimes, his father said. What did you do? The father hesitated. The agent had settled into the front passenger seat to avoid the rain, but powered down her window to listen. You'll find out eventually, he said. Your dad's not a good person. Your dad killed people, son. That's what I did. I killed people. Sorry just doesn't cut it. He gave the boy a final hug, got in the car, and closed the door. The boy watched him through the glass and stood there in the rain until the car had reached the end of the street and turned the corner.